You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Colossians 3 gives two principles. It says, wives be subject to your husbands, and it says, husbands love your wives. If you're in that relationship where you're finding your needs are not being met or whatever, Dobson actually talks about to be a real functioning person, you need to have times of separateness. He said the couples he worries about are the ones who are like the clinging vines. They just don't give each other time to breathe. <laughs> now, here's your hosts, Tim and Des. Well, this is Momentum. All around Australia, you're listening to uh, Tim and Des, and uh, we are so grateful that you'd uh, come and spend some time with us. And we're really looking forward to delving into this week's uh, show. Before we go there, MomentumAustralia.org is our website. You can check out a bit more about who we are and uh, what we aim to do. But thanks so much for tuning in. Des, my Irish co-host and friend, how are you this week? Are you well? My English friend, I am very well. It's amazing that we get on being English and Irish. But, you know, you've, you've mellowed over the years and that's a good thing. So yeah, I'm great, man. Absolutely great. Good to be here. And look, our topic today, and uh, Des, I'll, I'll let you introduce it a little bit more, but it's got a really interesting title and uh, we're going to unpack this. It's called Angry Women and Passive Men. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy topic, isn't it? And it's from the book, um, an article from Dr. James Hobson, formerly from Focus on the Family, from the book called Love Must Be Tough. And so the article is Angry Women and Passive Men. I can relate to it very, very easily. And so today we have with us uh, Pastor Rob Furlong, who's the pastor, senior pastor at Woodville Baptist Church in Perth. Uh, so Rob, welcome once again. Thank you, Des. Thanks, Tim. Great to be here. Really appreciate it. Well, welcome back. And look, I know I know that you've, uh, you've actually touched on this over the years. It's hard to believe. And as we go through, you know, the article which we're about to go through for the guys listening, it's hard to believe that this was actually written back in 1983. Almost 40 years. Almost 40 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is really as relevant today as it was back then. And perhaps yeah. one would argue maybe even more so. Dr. James Dobson, as Des said, it's the book Love Must Be Tough. Angry Women and Passive Men is the article. Um, we're going to unpack this a bit more, but but can you give us a, an overview before we launch into some specifics? I mean, we can kind of get an idea, but... Oh, look, it's I've seen this in my own life. I, I'm talking here about the passivity mm. side of things, so I've had to deal with, with that in my own life. But I've also seen it in many relationships. But we can also say this thing is as old as Adam, and it, it literally is as old as Adam. And as we go through our time together today, we'll see that from the book of Genesis. But it essentially comes down to, it's really talking about the struggle between men and women. And, of course, where that often is most manifested is in the marriage relationship, hmm. where you do have a lot of angry women, and you've got a lot of guys who've just checked out, and they're passive. And it you know, begs the question, what's going on? Hmm. We can turn to the wisdom of Kermit the Frog, you know. <laughs> As you do. Kermit the Frog has wisdom? Kermit the Frog has women. Okay. He, he's listed off for us seven things that men do that upset women. <laughs> the first is lie. The second is to be honest. <laughs> the third is not talk. Fourth is talk too much. <laughs> Fifth is not show emotions. Sixth is be too emotional. Right. Seventh is breathe. <laughs> <laughs> That's We're done and dusted, guys. <laughs> that, that about something. <laughs> if we could just get this sorted out, we'll be fine. That is not to say anything bad about the ladies who are listening. It is interesting, though. I, I have, Many of you know that I've worked in radio for a long time, and Des constantly says that I talk too much. But there was uh, 
as many times in my first marriage where she, I'd, you know, I'd been, a, I'd been at work all day, I'd talked on the radio, blah, 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 and off air as well, and I get home, and I just, I like to find out details about, and she's like, haven't you talked enough already today? I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Wow. I mean, because usually it's the other way around, right? I'm it's sure it's like yeah. trying to get my husband to talk is, yeah. is a challenge. Yeah. I, I can honestly say, in all my two marriages, my wives have never said that to me. <laughs> you know, would you please shut up? <laughs> well, they probably have said that, Des. <laughs> but it wasn't because uh, yeah, you were talking too much. You're right. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> so, look, I mean, Rob, we, we talk about this angry women, women who are angry, men that are passive. Uh, and look, if we're all honest, right, all jokes aside, and we're not having a knock at women or men here, it's just not the truth all. is a lot of relationships end up this way. Absolutely. And it's interesting. It came to the fore again for me. As I said, I've, I've had my own experiences of having to deal with my own passivity as a man, but I've seen it in other relationships. And it came to the fore again because Karen and I have been doing some premarital counselling and also working with another young couple who could possibly be moving to marriage. And this mm. subject came up. Mm. And I said to Karen, we really do need to make sure we address this in the premarital with another couple. And out of that, was spawned the idea. I think I'll preach this on Father's Day. The subtitle <laughs> is, I, I want to, and we'll talk about this today, how Jesus changes that. Mm. Because we are really dealing yeah. with a key issue of relationships, but Jesus can change this. Okay. Uh, just the core, the core part of that is fundamentally how the wife and the husband react with each other. It's about, you know, for the frustration that leads to quietness, which leads to more frustration, which leads to quietness. And so it exacerbates the issue. Ironically, our childhood and our childhood experiences seem to be a real catalyst for this problem that appears in our adulthood. So, And the article explains that. So just unpack that for us. When Dobson wrote the article, very briefly, he, he particularly wanted to address American women because he felt that American women, particularly at that time in the world, were raised in a culture that put it's what we call the classic today we call them rom-com you know romantic mm. comedies mm. but they were raised on a diet of the perfect relationship that the wife is the object of the husband's affections always he will provide all the romantic love meet every need that she has emotionally and life will just be perfect and he said he felt that american women were particularly prone to that so they come into marriage and relationships with all of this massive expectation. Mm. When I read, as I said, I read this before, but reading it lately, I actually think that it's a symptom of the Western world. Right. I think, yes. I don't think it's just American women. I think we've yeah, all struggled with it, and men do too. Okay. But I mean, look at our TVs. Look, look at the TV shows. The farmer wants a, lot, a wife, and it says, True Love is on Channel 7. I'm going, I said, look, I'm just going to be blunt. I sit there and go, bollocks, it's not. <laughs> it's not true love. Mm. And why, or The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette, why do people put themselves through it? But what, it is continuing to portray the myth, and people buy into it. Let's face it, they mm. buy into it, that this is what romance looks like. Mm. And so what Dobson says is, when, that, when reality sets in, in marriage, when you get married, and that doesn't happen, Anger builds up over right. a period of time. Right. Conversely, for men, and I think you know, passivity of men is the history of the human race, <laughs> and it's not to say 
being negative about men. But that's learned in childhood as well. So I heard a tragic story this week of a uh, a man's older now, but he was telling the story of the relationship with his dad. And he said his dad would leave before sunup and get home at sundown, having worked in the office all day. He would come home. He'd say he'd have dinner with the family and then he would go to his private office and work for the next several hours at night. And this young boy would sit outside his dad's office and pass notes that he'd written to his dad under the door. Oh, my gosh. And he said, just once, he said, I wish, I was longing for the day when just once he might push a note out back out to me. Wow. Oh, that's tragic. It is tragic, but that's the passivity. So dad's disengaged, he's thrown himself into his work. What Dobson puts forward, and I think it's very true, is that so the wife's expectations are all about this fantastic romantic life that is not met. She's getting angry. Husband goes, whoa, what's going on here? And mm. what he does is he buries himself in something else. Mm. Yeah. So he just withdraws. It can be work. It can be an addiction. And we'll talk about that stuff. But he buries himself somewhere else because he thinks I'm being a good provider, I'm doing the right thing, and she doesn't appreciate it, so I'll just work harder and bury myself in that, and I don't have to deal with this. This is a little left of field, but I, I'm going to ask it anyway, because you, you said about men being passive generically, and that seems to have been a story that's run throughout the ages. When we look, and I'm going to bring it back to the Bible, we look at Adam and Eve, right, and the whole classic, the apple and the whatever, and, you know, this woman did this, the woman that she did this and whatever, do you think that's where it started? I mean, do we stem from that somewhere back? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question, I realize. But, but do you understand? Has that somehow affected us as men even today that we kind of, even back in the garden, we took this stance of, well, you know, <laughs> it was her. I'm not taking responsibility. I think it absolutely <laughs> stems back to Genesis. And we talked last week about doubt. Uh, if you actually want, if you have any doubts about the Bible, actually just read Genesis one, two, and three. It's the story of the human race, right? Because here yeah. got this book was written centuries ago, and Genesis, you know, thousands of years ago, and yet when you read this, you go, "Wait a minute, this is psychology one hundred and one, yeah. and this is before psychology yeah. one hundred and one was a subject." <laughs> it's all there in the Bible, yes. And you look at it and go, "That explains what's going on." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It stems yeah. back to the garden. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's let's start with the women, right? Okay, because it, it, because <laughs> might be better to start with the blokes. No, they, <laughs> they come in. They come in. There's expectation, right? If this is true, and I think it is today, we we all agree that this is probably sadly how most relationships do end up. There's there's women who become angry because of their expectations or they haven't been met, whether they were right expectations or not. They've come in and the, and the guy's just kind of been passive, he's backed off, he's not taking responsibility, he's not stepped up, he's not communicated, blah, 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 blah. They get married, there's all this beautiful honeymoon period and whatnot, but what's the slow deterioration then into her getting more and more frustrated and the guy becoming more and more buried where he just disappears and doesn't communicate and shuts down? Where does, how does that start? Give us some examples. I don't know how it starts, but I, I think, look, I think generally speaking, men, we're, we're raised to be providers and to, to find value in our work and to provide for our family. And so a lot of this comes down to mixed communication, mixed messages. And so, and we will talk about expectations, but I think that uh, the expectations, and this is what we do in, in premarital counselling, is to say, okay, these are the expectations that you've been given by society. You actually need to have a dis- you actually need to have a discussion as a husband and wife, and even mm. in the courting days and in the engagement times, what is realistic and what's not. 
Mm. And yeah. and it's been good in, in chatting with uh, uh, one particular couple. It's been good to have this conversation because they're saying, I've got all this stuff in my head, but I need to unpack that. Mm. And then we need to have a conversation about it and then determine what is realistic and and what are the expectations going to be that are valid for our our relationship. So it, it really does come back to that communication factor. Mm. But you know, on, on the part of the guy, often what happens is I think we 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 think we're, we're keen and we're doing it for our wives because we want to work hard and we want to provide and we want to. But we're not getting that affirmation of that. But maybe we haven't communicated. Hey, this is one of the ways I show you my love. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So there's the community. You've got to start talking about this stuff. But that's where I th- I want to make a really good case here for premarital counselling. You can bring this stuff up early in premarital counselling mm. and, and, the, and the person who's taking you through it can bring this stuff up so you can actually begin to talk about it at that point mm. so that you're going into the marriage, you're not going to have everything sorted out. Yeah. At least you're going in with an awareness that, hey, there might be some... Let's be your on the your eyes have been opened to some degree eyes around of what you're getting into yeah. and what this other person expects at exactly. least. Exactly. And I guess it goes across lots of things, not just, you know, business, but, you know, how much time is involved in church work? How much time is involved in social life? How much time is involved with family? I mean, all those factors all impact how you divide your time and the priorities and under, and having your partner understand those priorities. And to, and it's having those conversations and it almost becomes a constant thing and you got to address things yeah. in your marriage at different times. So... On the, on the issue of expectations, there was a period when our kids were younger and I would come home from church and want to be engaged with my family. Uh, I'm being honest about that. But I'd be hit with these four kids, all young, as soon as I come through the door. Mm. But Karen and I had a conversation about it. And then we had that conversation with our kids to say, Dad is glad to be home, wants to spend time with you, but he actually needs 20 minutes to half an hour just to sit with mum and have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'll be fine. Yeah. So it's not even when you've got younger families, it's not even just having the conversation with your wife, but have it with your kids. Yes, absolutely. Because kids are going to assume all sorts of things, Hmm. as adults do too. Yeah, okay. I mean, we can understand, it makes sense to me why a woman might become angry with regards to unmet expectations. Let's explore then for men, why is it that we run to passivity and almost apathy? Why do we not become angry or motivated or whatever why is it that we check out why is it that we go there um uh, well i'm going to take you back to genesis chapter three <laughs> because <laughs> when you read genesis chapter three carefully and you know we're familiar with the story serpent deceives eve and she looks at the fruit and she sees it's delightful and she's going to eat it and then it says that she uh, takes a bite and then she gave it to her husband. Now, I want you to notice the words here. Gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And in the Hebrew, it means that he was, he right, was right there at her elbow. Right. So when I first read that 18 years ago, something like that, what an eye-opener. Adam has been there the whole time. Hmm watching what's going on and he's just checked out <laughs> it's like yes, yes. It's, at no point does adam say uh, eve you might want to rethink this <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> there's something to be said here the devil targets the woman it was god who spoke directly to adam 
about the prohibition in the garden. It's mm. God who speaks that to Adam. We don't have a record. Of, now, Eve knows about the prohibition. I'm saying we assume it's through Adam. But Adam's the guy. He's watching this exchange going on, and he does nothing. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I read, actually, one person speculated that, oh, I don't think this is correct, but uh, later on when God says, your desire shall be for your husband, mm. and you know, there's obviously that longing for her husband to meet her needs. One guy suggested that, uh, and then when God goes and says, because you listened to your wife, he suggested that it could possibly be that Adam was so infatuated with Eve and he just wanted to do the right thing and please her that that's why he did it. Mm. Yeah. I can understand that. Mm. I'm not sure if that's what the scripture is saying, but yeah. who knows what's going through the guy's head. Not a lot by the sounds Not of it. Not a lot by the sounds of it. But, you know, it, it opens up an interesting door, doesn't it, to, to sort of think. Yes. I mean, God does specifically say you listen to your wife. Yeah. Uh, and so whatever was going on in his head, at that key moment, he chose to listen and follow her rather than following God. It's an, it's an interesting topic. We're going to come back and have a second part to the show on this. And Rob, I'd, I'd like to really, in the second half of the show, I think, speak to men who are trapped in this cycle and the guys become passive and I'm burying and I'm hiding. Let's speak into that space after the break. Stay with us here on Momentum. We're going to continue this conversation. It is off an article called Angry Women and Passive Men. In the meantime, as we take a break, love you to have a quick squeeze around the website, MomentumAustralia.org, and we'll be back with our special guest, Rob Furlong, in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome back to Momentum and uh, thanks for tuning in to this week's show. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. I love your feedback and thoughts there. And uh, look, we are back this week, Tim and Des, with uh, our special guest, Rob Furlong, who we had on the show last week. Uh, but our topic this week is Angry Women, Passive Men. And uh, this is an article by Dr. James Dobson, formerly of Focus on the Family, from the 1983 book, Love Must Be Tough. And we're saying that this is something that is relevant today, perhaps even more so than it was back in 1983. Incidentally, Des, wasn't that around the time you first came to Australia? Yes, I came 1981. God bless Australia. And so, so when I arrived, it was really interesting because I was in a, a suburb of Sydney and, and one of the amazing things was that I, I, I it never ceased to amaze me the aggressiveness of Australian women. I mean, the, the couple who lived across the road from us, God bless them too. I mean, they were, you know, he, she was the boss. She dictated what happened. He was totally passive. He made no decisions. And, I, and, I, and as I, I stayed in Australia longer, I found more and more and more examples of that assertiveness in women. Oh, it's an interesting observation. Um, I mean, Tim, you're, you're from England. I think I would agree with those, to be honest. I, th yeah. I think there is a, a culture that we've created here where, and I wonder if it started, you know, because, and again, I'm spitballing here, but, you know, you take a, in inverted commas, average Australian man, and, you know, we can struggle with the feelings and the emotions and the sensitive side. And I wonder if women over the years have had to just become, they've almost like they've lost some of their femininity to almost have to, stand up to a man that that doesn't have that side or can't express that side well. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's that we've had to, the women have had to become more like yeah. just to try and hold their own ground 
in community and society a little bit. I, I mean, I, I think maybe that's... I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but I think uh, that, that could be part of it. No, I think I think there's truth in what you're saying. I remember reading years ago, and this is related to what we're talking about, John Smith, who wrote a book, Advanced Australia, where uh, examined actually people of faith who came to Australia in the early days, as well as uh, the convicts and all that kind of thing. Hmm. And he makes the point that... Like Australia is actually a harsh climate, hmm. and and if you go back two hundred plus years when they were first colonising Australia, it, the, just the harshness of the environment you had it was you know sink or swim. Hmm. You, you, you popped out here uh, thousands of miles away from Mother England, it's sink or swim, and yeah. he said everybody who who came that they were shaped a lot by the harshness of the conditions. Mm. So I think there's something to what you're saying in terms of... Uh, yeah, and, and you can see that in the Aussie psych. You know, we, we, we're very cynical people, mm. but we, we're we also very much of... You know, we, we are acclimatised in that true sense. And But I think, you know, that helps that environmental kind of thing, that the, the real, the physical stuff, has a part in shaping our psyche as well. We call it the great Aussie spirit, don't we? I mean, that, yeah. that tenacity and that, which which yeah. is the, the positive side of that. But then there is, of course, the negative where, and, and this is, I suppose, relating back into the article of ang- angry women and passive men. And we're not saying that all women are angry. That's not what we're saying. But I suppose it could lead to this relationship dynamic where, you know, perhaps even more so here in Australia because of the culture that, um, you know, when women come into a relationship with these expectations that rightly or wrongly don't get met, um, you know, there's this aggression that can rise up and for some reason as men, we don't want to step into that space because it involves some vulnerability and transparency and feelings and emotions. And so instead of checking in, we check out and we become passive, which is what we're talking about in this article. You've hit on a really yeah. good point there, too, yeah. because uh, I, I think it, it's not just either that men have checked out, but I think part of the anger that fuels women, and again, this goes back to Genesis 3, it's very instructive when God says... He's saying to Adam and Eve, these are the consequences of of what you've done. And he says to her, uh, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Hmm. And the history of the human race is the abuse of women by men. Let's face it. Right. And so you've got to factor that in where headship in this instance as a result of the fall has become something that's not loving, but where the husband dominates his wife. And gen- yeah. in principle, generally, men dominate women and have abused women. Mm. And that has contributed mm. massively to the, to the anger of women. Mm. And and yet this, this, this incredible dynamic, I, this is why I just think this is so instructive. I mean, it's, he's saying your desire will be for your husband. There'll be that longing for your husband mm. and you want the relationship. But then the, one of the consequences is because the word for rule here is, is pushing into that area of domination. And God's saying, it's not God inflicting this on them. He's saying, this is the consequence of what you've done. Right. Because back in Genesis 2, the relationship is all delight, one flesh, mm. bone of my bone, mm. Genesis three, it's all despair. Yeah, and it's downhill from it's there. Really, downhill isn't it? from there. <laughs> do you th- do you think then that um, you know here in Australia as well that, and we we did talk a bit about this off air where where there's been a, sw- a switch in that, and, and look, we're not labeling all men and saying you've you've dominated women over the years and it's been terrible and and women have been abused and that's not what we're saying. Obviously, there's there's extremes in all of this, right? But then we flipped it so much that we've given women so much of a voice now 
that they've uh, and that's right so right but but it's no longer it's it's never been in balance it's never been men and women have have had equal sort of whatever it's always been men have always or women have always and it seems to be at the moment that the trend is now that the women are the ones that are perhaps more aggressive in society they're rising up the men have kind of come down a little bit they're more passive and and let's be honest confused about uh, a, about a lot of things about well well who the heck am i now I'm not even sure what yeah. a man is now. Mm. Uh, and you look at all the, you know, we talked about this too, the marketing, the social media, the whatnot, the ads on TV and stuff. It's always, you know, the, the man kind of sits in the background and he's passive. It's the woman who comes in and almost saves the day these days. It's like there's been a culture sure. shift. Yeah, as we were saying off air, uh, you see that in TV shows, you see that in ads, you see it in news reports. It's the woman who has all the answers. But here's the funny thing too, and I want to chuck this in because it's a, it's very relevant to this and women have been empowered and yes I think are in the ascendancy now that's very much the case but do you know what I find interesting for all of the empower and we've had to empower women Mm. there's no doubt about that women have needed to be empowered that's a really good thing that's happened in our society but one of the things is I mean if in in a Christian context you know we have a couple and you know the lady wife has taken the front foot um, what can men do to start to take back their role as a husband and as a leader in their household without going too far? It's It's got to begin with an honest conversation. Well, let me back up. I think the first step is that, and I'm not saying that if you're a passive, because a lot of guys who might be passive at home can be quite forthright in the workplace. You know, they yeah. lead with confidence. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying that they're abusive. I'm saying they lead with confidence. They're good leaders. They're successful, but they're just not cutting it at home. I think I think the first step is to, to have a... If, if things are resonating with you today, just have a look at your own passivity. I'll tell a very brief story about myself. When this really came home to me was back when uh, I was about 30, 31, and we went down to Sydney to celebrate my mum's 50th birthday. And um, I, I came from, you know, you've heard my story, a dysfunctional family. Anyway, Karen's family had organised a family do on the Saturday, which happened to be mum's birthday, but we were going to be celebrating that night, all this stuff. And uh, Karen was wanting me to obviously go to be with her family as well. But my parents' expectation was that I was to be there all day for my mum because it's her birthday. Mm. And so when this, they got angry and expressed this and they were not happy with the fact that I was going off... I didn't have a conversation with Karen. I didn't have a conversation with him. I just, this is too hard. And I just, mm. I did nothing. You bailed. I bailed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It massively disappointed Karen. And the good thing about it was when she talked about that with me, like she handled that in a really good way. Mm. But it brought me, f- I, 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 I knew, I knew what I was doing. I just was. This is, I'm just bowing out here because mm. I'm caught on the meat and the sandwich. So she didn't have to say much, but it made me realise something about myself, and that this, you know, this kind of behaviour's got to stop. So what? What about that is passive, and what about that is that perhaps men, some men listening right now, they just don't like conflict. I mean, let's be honest, we all love peace, uh, and and men, we love to sit in our nothing box. And have you know sure. just have yeah. peace in our lives, I and mean, if we've got a woman that that is disappointed with us, angry with us, frustrated with us, um, you know, we try and have conversations, but it doesn't seem to rectify anything. You know, so it 
a lot of guys who go, I, I, I don't like the conflict. I just want peace back in my life. So the only thing I can do is check out, be passive. Yeah, and I'm saying don't check out. Um, you, you've got to ha- you've got to have the courage to have the conversation. You have to. Yes. And but I, I think the place to start would be is recognizing where where you're being passive. You broach the. I, I'd be broaching the conversation to say, I've realized something about myself. I think that's the place to start, mm. rather than going and saying yeah. you're doing this. I've realized something about myself. Mm. And talk honestly about that, and and I know recognise I actually need to get help about this, and just and then see where the conversation goes. But I would also add, pray beforehand. You know, pray that your heart's prepared. Pray that your wife or the person you're talking to, their mm. heart is prepared. Mm. But start with yourself. That's always the best place to start. I've realised something about myself. I need to I need to deal with this. Um, I want to. And can you help me with this? Hmm. Can we do this together? What happens in the midst of that conversation, and I suspect it may, and there's probably men listening who have had this conversation too and gone, okay, I, I've done a bit of self-evaluation. I, I, I bring myself to the table and we try and have that conversation. But because of where she's at, and I'm not saying that it's, it's all her fault, but what I'm saying is we might try and have the conversation, but there's just so much anger and resentment in her that even the conversation then just goes sideways. Even though I try and have the conversation, but but there's just so much still fuel in the fire at this moment in time that we can't find common ground yet. What, what, what do you think is a solution in those moments or a next step perhaps? I, 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 what I'm going to encourage here is, yeah, the, the conversation does have the potential to go sideways and it may go sideways. I think it's actually important as the person who's initiated the conversation, we don't always get this right, but I think it's important that, okay, the person, the other person might be reacting badly and angrily but by you know we're talking to people here of faith as much as lies within you hmm. allow god to keep you at a peaceful level and if it continues to go that way well yeah maybe you need to back off but to say well okay but i i just want maybe you finish up by saying i am committed to this i want to get actually get help uh, and proceed because we've said this many times before you can't change the other person but you can change yourself hmm. so you know, you can be saying to the person, are you with me on this? And that mm. might go positively. It may go sideways. Don't let that deter you from doing the work that you need to do. Mm. And and just one final thought, taking that a step further. Men listening right now who, you know, they've, they've had the conversation, there's no common ground, there's no whatever. And now it's not that they've just checked out of, you know, uh, wanting to have the conversation. They're, they're close to checking out of the relationship. Because there's so much anger from her perspective. I checked out a long time ago. I'm just doing my own thing now. Speak into that space for men. Uh, I know ladies listen to this program. Mm. There's some great advice in here that Dobson had about this. But I would, I'm would, i just going to say fairly bluntly to ladies, stop trying to take control. Colossians 3 talks about, it's, it gives two principles. It says, wives be subject to your husbands. And it says, husbands love your wives. And I would... If you're in that relationship where you're finding your needs are not being met or, or whatever, Dobson actually talks about this concept of when when I say separation, I'm not talking about separation from the marriage, mm. but he's saying that to be a real functioning person, you need to have times of separateness. He said the couples he worries about are the ones who are like the clinging vines. They, they just don't give each other time <laughs> to breathe. And he tells this story of a lady who uh, Dobson advised. He said, look, 
just give him some space. Instead of trying to pressure him all the time, mm. you know, take control, yeah. just back off. So she did. She she backed off. She didn't ignore him, but mm. he, she backed off. It only took three days because <laughs> the guy the guy couldn't figure out what the heck was going on, and, and he he burst into their bedroom, and he says, "I can't stand this distance that's come between us. I don't know what's going." On. And then he made mad, passionate love to her there on the spot. <laughs> and Dobson was saying the best marriages, the best relationships, and the where they have times of intimacy, mm. times where they. And that's what oneness is. Oneness is not the clinging vine stuff mm. where you you can't breathe in the relationship. And that's what happens in a lot of relationships. And I say this respectfully, ladies, that you expect that this bloke's going to meet every single need you have. Give up that dream because mm. that's all it is. It's a dream. Mm. In fact, I heard a thing recently where they said, you know, we've got certain needs, five things that we need in a relationship. And he made the observation that it's actually realistic. Psychologists will tell you, you should only expect that the other person is going to meet 25% of that need. Wow. Yeah. And because yeah. the reality is God is the only person who can meet every need we've got. Mm. But when we put it all onto a human being, it's not great. That's a, a heavy burden. That's good advice. Uh, but I would say also to the guys who might be thinking of checking out, don't check out yet. Don't give up yet. Yes. As we've said also on other times, if you need to talk with someone, if you need to talk to a counsellor, Go and talk to a counsellor. Mm. Start working on yourself uh, and get some advice about how you know how can we work. How can I bring my wife in on this and work on this situation? Mm. Yeah, it's been a great topic. Hopefully, you've got something from this week's show. Yeah. Angry women and passive men was the article that we've been referring to, and it's from the book "Love Must Be Tough." by Dr. James Dobson, formerly of Focus on the Family. It was back in 1983, that book. I encourage you to maybe check that out if that's helped you. And also re-listen to this uh, this podcast as well. MomentumAustralia.org is the website. You can find it there. Or if you put in Momentum Australia into Spotify or any one of your, uh, your favorite podcast platforms, uh, you'll come across uh, us at Momentum. It is Tim and Des, and our special guest is uh, Rob Furlong this week. Rob, we appreciate you uh, over the last couple of weeks, mate. Once again, very raw, very honest, and uh, we appreciate all that you've sown into us and the lives of men listening and women, of course, all around Australia. So thank you, my friend. It's been good. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Des. Great to be with you again. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.